Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. Since last Thursday, Oakland teachers have been striking. For days now, they've been chanting. What do we do? Stand up, fight back! Dancing and playing music. <laughs> refusing to cross the picket line unless their demands are met. Rain or shine, we will this walk the picket line. line. One day longer. One day stronger. Those demands are varied. They include higher salaries and benefits, something we've seen in past teacher strikes in the Oakland Unified School District. But this year is a bit different. The teachers union, the Oakland Education Association, is also making common good demands. The goal is to address broader societal challenges from racial equity to environmental justice. Things like district housing for homeless students, reparations for black students, subsidized transportation, and environmental requests like drought and fire-resistant trees. Chronicle Education reporter Jill Tucker says those kinds of demands are part of a larger labor movement to include these complex issues into union negotiations. Today on Fifth Emission, she'll break down why this OUSD strike is unique and how the common good demands are dividing the larger community. With just a couple of weeks left in the school year, parents and families are questioning whether this is the right time to make those demands. That includes some graduating seniors like 17-year-old Lynn Lee, an Oakland High student who is facing the possibility of ending her challenging pandemic high school career outside of the classroom. It's definitely something that I support, but it's just the strike happened at a really untimely manner that really affected students. That was the one thing that made me feel unheard as a student because of the fact that it affected me and my peers while the strike is going on. Jill Tucker, always great to have you on Fifth Emission. Thank you. Jill, we're heading into day five of the Oakland teachers' strike. The stalemate continues between the Oakland Unified School District and teachers. How would you describe the vibe at the bargaining table right now? Well, at least from the outside, since all of this is happening behind closed doors, it seems pretty tense. At least from the press conference podiums, there is still a lot of sort of heels dug in. We're standing for what we believe on both sides, really. They could be making progress at the bargaining table, but a lot of this is quiet and we have to wait for them to come out and tell us what's happening to see if any progress is being made. What do we know about what Oakland officials are offering to teachers right now? The district has, since the beginning of bargaining last fall, they've prioritized uh, what they call a historic raise. They've prioritized giving teachers more money, raising them from some of the lower salaries of the state and region up to above average We're talking just salaries here, not other compensation like benefits and retiree benefits, but really just salaries. 
And it, it's a $70 million investment, which is about 10% of their general fund to raise salaries by up to 22% next year. A lot of that would also include a 10% retroactive raise, as well as a $5,000 one-time bonus. So really, they're putting everything into paying teachers more so that they can not only recruit more teachers, but they can keep them once they get to the district. Now, that is just part of the equation of what teachers are demanding right now. But let's take a step back a little bit, if you don't mind. What was happening leading up to this strike, which started last Thursday? There had been months of unsuccessful negotiations before then, right? Yeah, the two sides have been at the bargaining table since the fall, October, give or take. And, you know, meeting periodically, like is typical in these types of negotiations, But the union has alleged that the district has not been bargaining in good faith. They cite late arrivals of district officials. They cite missed meetings and and the fact that the district won't provide a, quote unquote, full proposal on the demands or a counterproposal. And so they basically, a while back, filed an unfair labor practice. And this strike is basically based on that claim. Typically in negotiations, which often last much longer than the months we've seen on this, you would get to a point where one or the other side declares an impasse. And then they would go to fact-finding and then they would go to mediation, which these are state-mandated steps in the bargaining process. Once you get through all that, if you're still not in agreement, then you can call a strike. This unfair labor practice strike sort of allows them to go on strike now before completing the bargaining process. We're still waiting for the state labor board to determine whether or not there was unfair labor practices and and bargaining in bad faith, which would mean the strike is legal. If the board finds that there was no unfair labor practice, then that would mean the strike has been illegal. And district officials have pushed back on that claim. Is that right? Oh, definitely. They have denied that they have missed meetings, that they have not been bargaining in faith. They say they've been there, they've wanted to be there, but they are really focused on the priority of paying teachers more. So they haven't been willing to discuss some of the other demands that the teachers union is making. You shared what the district is offering in terms of compensation, but what are teachers asking for? So teachers have been asking for all along 23% increase. I think they're very close. I think there are a few details to work out in terms of who gets what raise and when, but it's close, at least from what we're hearing from both sides. You know, how close or how much more they have to do, we're not sure. Now, like you said, this compensation offer that the district is proposing would cost $70 million. Do we know that it can afford that? We've talked about on the show before how the district has faced a lot of financial uncertainty. Right. Well, they say they can. They say that that's the amount of money that they have calculated that they can afford. When you give a raise, that goes on in perpetuity, right? Every year, you have to keep paying that raise. So they have to be somewhat sure that they're going to get enough resources in, enough money in, despite declining enrollment and other issues, to be able to pay those salaries. Ultimately, because the district is still in state receivership from going through insolvency in 2003, they still have state and county oversight. So any deal that they reach 
that has money attached, they're going to be looking at very closely to see if, in fact, those officials believe the district can, in fact, afford this. Jill, the last Oakland teachers strike that happened was in 2019, and it lasted for seven days. How does the current strike compare to that one? Yeah, back in 2019, it really was a long strike, but it came after all of the bargaining steps had completed. It came after impasse and fact-finding, and it really was back then a money issue. It was a, a salaries and compensation, and, and teachers wanted a raise. And so really, it took seven days to hammer that out and for the district to figure out where they could make cuts and how they could increase that offer. This time around, because it's an unfair labor practice strike, it feels a little different. It's based on other allegations and other topics, these so-called common good topics that fall outside the mandatory bargaining topics that are designated by state law. Common good demands are making this strike a bit different. How? Jill Tucker will explain after a quick break. Also, the pandemic has upended the high school experience for the graduating class of 2023. We'll hear from one student who shares her thoughts on the strike. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Jill Tucker, Oakland teachers are making common good demands during this strike. Tell me more about them. What are they? It's an increasing trend in labor union contracts across the country. Basically, what they are are demands that go beyond what we would traditionally consider a worker contract. Things like compensation, workplace safety, working conditions, those types of things. These so-called common good items are things that are meant to create a broader improvement in the community or so in the case of schools, what the Oakland Education Association is demanding are things like using district facilities for homeless families or reparations for black students, which would mean giving many more resources for students with uh, predominance of African-American students. Things like designating how school closures would happen or how many water uh, filter stations you would have for students. So, for example, the union wants one water station for every 250 or 300 students. So these are the types of policy and other types of things that we wouldn't necessarily see in a contract. But what they say is that, look, the work environment is the learning environment and vice versa. So if you improve the learning environment by looking at environmental justice or homeless families, all of these things that affect learning, then they believe that should be part of the teacher's contract. 
district officials, including three school board members, have said that they don't feel those types of policy issues belong in a contract with just one of the district's labor groups. It takes it out of the public process that is associated with that type of spending and those types of policies. So, so far, they've been digging in their heels saying, we do not want to put that in the contract. Those are things we can talk about outside the contract, but we're not going to codify it. And, you know, that concept of whether these common goods should be in the contract or not has not only split the school board, but it has split the community. The teachers union is saying that they will remain strong on these common good items and won't settle without them. And so we'll see. Now, this kind of shift that you're describing away from traditional union organizing, it feels like we're seeing teachers wield their power in another way. Is this sort of the culmination of issues that we saw raised during the pandemic? We know teacher burnout is real. Teachers are pretty fed up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that this is something that started before the pandemic, but really gained steam because what we're seeing are a lot of societal issues that have been aggravated because of the pandemic. So in schools, that that's mental health issues, environmental issues in terms of the conditions of the classrooms, helping kids to learn when they've fallen behind. You know, so they're demanding greater numbers of counselors and other types of resources for students. I think it's empowered the union a little bit to seek out many of these common good demands. But I'm also seeing that a lot of parents are feeling really empowered against the strike because their kids have lost a lot of learning time and they're really frustrated by seeing the last three weeks of school that the students are are not in classes or not getting the support and the meals and other things that they need. To be clear, the schools are still open. The administrators and other staff are there at the schools, but only about 1,300, over 1,300 students out of 34,000 attended school Monday. So very few are actually crossing the picket line. And speaking about the broader community, like you mentioned, there's mixed feelings, these common good topics are controversial and dividing the community a little bit. What else are you hearing? How are people arguing for or against what teachers' demands are? I'm hearing in, in many cases that whether you support the teachers' demands, I think there is some concern about calling a strike now at the end of the school year when there's a lot of activities and, and a lot of events and a lot of things going on that are really for the students And calling a strike now based on labor complaint rather than finishing the bargaining process has a lot of people frustrated. And I think that even if they support the teachers and want them to talk about these things or get some of these demands, they're really feeling that perhaps they jumped the gun on the strike because they didn't want to wait through the summer until fall to negotiate these raises or to perhaps go on strike later once the process has finished seems that there are some thoughts that the union is is taking advantage of the timing here and to make sure they could strike before the school year ended. And Jill, obviously, I mean, I'm thinking about high school seniors who have already had a very strange four years dealing with hybrid and remote learning, masking, all the other things during the pandemic. How is the class of 2023 dealing with the possibility that the end of their high school career may not be in the classroom, you spoke to several seniors. 
Yeah, they're sad. It's a little heartbreaking whether they support the strike or not. And they are kind of just like the adults. They're split. But, you know, they've had a really rough time. In eighth grade was the seven-day strike. At the end of their freshman year, the pandemic hit, and they were on remote learning through the end of freshman year through sophomore year. And then they had their junior year. And then we've had a couple of one-day strikes this year, and now this open-ended strike that they're going through the last three weeks of high school before graduation day. And we might all remember back on high school This was the fun time, right? But there's lots of emotions where you're just about to start your adult life in college or other, you know, or your jobs or whatever. And they're missing that. They're missing events. One student talked about their sash ceremony where for their academy where they get their sash that they would wear to graduation. And it's a big deal. And they're not going to have that. So they'll still have graduation. They still have prom. But they're really missing sort of these final moments of high school. There are a lot of students that still have projects to do. They had hope that they could raise their grades with finals or projects or final assignments. Some students are concerned that their college acceptances could be rescinded because they aren't going to have the chance to boost their grades with these final moments. So I talked to one student, Lynn Lee. She's a student school board member. She goes to Oakland High School And she's looking forward to college. She's excited about her future. And she's, you know, she supports the strike. In the perspective of teachers and them continually asking for the same things over and over again, the same resources in order to provide for our students. I've seen firsthand as a student how it's important for teachers to be fairly compensated for their time and for the hours they've put in in order for students to thrive academically. But she also realizes that This was just terrible timing for seniors. They've been through a lot, as she said, Helen back with the pandemic. The pandemic had really affected my high school experience because much of it was online. Not being able to enjoy like, you know, high school dances or high school events. We want to have a graduation. We want to end off things strong. We want to end off with our friends. We want to end off with our teachers, you know, the people that we've started high school with. And because of the fact that the strike is happening, a lot of students are impacted like really strongly. Whether folks are supporting the strike or not, they would rather be back in school. Well, Jill, I know you've been tirelessly covering this strike. I appreciate (laughs) it so much. Thanks for talking to me about it. Sure. Tirelessly and tiredly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Jill Tucker covers education for The Chronicle. Find her ongoing coverage of the Oakland teacher strike online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thanks to Gary Baca for editing this episode, King Kaufman and Sarah Feldberg for the additional production support. And thank you for listening.